Accounting Influencers Broadcast Network presents Success in Accounting. Sponsored by Dext. Welcome to the Accounting Influencers Podcast Network. Me, Rob Brown, feel to have me today, guest host Martin Bissett, who's featured on a lot of our shows. We have five shows going out, one every day of the working week. And this is a bonus episode to look at 2022 in review. We're towards the end of the year now. And Martin, how would you sum up the year for accounting? Any surprises, any key findings, any outcomes you'd want to share with our audience? Yeah, you don't get too many surprises in the accounting world, Rob. But I think if I could uh, sum it up, I'd say this has been a year of hurry up and wait. And what I, what I mean by that is that once again, we've had another year where accountants have been told they have to be ready in the UK for MTD. And in the US, you have to be ready for technological advance um, and, and complete change and, and uh, changing customer demand and so on. And certainly in the UK, um, we find ourselves exactly where we started. No further forward, no clear on what's going to happen next. And it's been a ton of worry and a ton of attending webinars and conference talks and a ton of trying to organize yourself internally, operationally to be ready for something that hasn't happened and may not even happen at all. So very frustrating if you're a practicing accountant. Um, obviously, the usual challenges have applied as well of recruitment and retention, of fee raising um, and of finding people who will take over the practice and honor your legacy. But ultimately, I would say the major accelerant or the major headline from the year has been this get ready, get ready, get ready. Everyone's been racing to get ready. There's nothing to get ready for so far. Yeah, lots of catalysts, but not enough change. So if you were a teacher giving a report card to the accounting profession as it emerges from the pandemic, what kind of shape do you think it's in? What grade would you give it? Um, from the accounting profession, I think we are as is. I think we came out of, uh, of COVID having a much clearer idea of what clients wanted from us. And I think they've been striving, the, the profession has been striving to do its best to deliver that as it knows how to. Lots of room for improvement though. So I'd probably say a seven out of 10, qualifying that by saying that there is still no doubt in anyone's minds that the value delivered by accountants who care is extraordinary. There is still nobody for a business owner to go to who has the level of financial intimacy that an accountant has. So that scores them a steady six or seven right out the gate. But there's still so much more that could be done. There's a lot more that accountants could do with their internal processes to free up their time create capacity and there's still far more benefit that business owners could take uh, and pay for of course from accounting firms to steer them towards their ultimate destination and that still as a general rule isn't happening so room for improvement but a steady performance seven out of ten what if we learned if anything about the software and the fintech and the vendors serving the accounting profession it's been a busy year for those two hasn't it yeah, probably there's too many of them. Um, too many of them in the context of accountants cannot process what you do when they've got to learn what 50 other tech providers do. And they also can't process very easily uh, why you're the best CRM over and above the other CRMs because they can't differentiate because they're not well-educated on this and they don't have a lot of time to be educated on this. So I think it's a very cluttered market um, for a lot of software and fintech and vendors trying to get through to accountants. Everyone's trying to do an education piece. Um, those with influence uh, and a strong customer base are succeeding. Those on the periphery and the edges need to form influential relationships to break through their barriers. Um, because ultimately, a lot of vendors come into the market, Rob, thinking accountants have got money and they're gullible. Let's sell to them and think it's a breeze and uh, find out very quickly that it's not a breeze and that they burn up an awful lot of their money 
just trying to get through the door. And when you talk about noise, Martin, would that be the same for accounting events? There's a lot going on in this space, isn't there, all over the world? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of events from an exhibition point of view. There's not as many events from a conference point of view. I think uh, here in the UK, 2020 had probably one of their most successful annual conferences of all time, and they've been running them for over 20 years. So that, that's a content-based uh, vendor light experience. Uh, whereas, of course, Accountex, for example, Accounting Web Live, uh, Digital Accountancy Show, they're vendor-heavy experiences. And that's UK. Is that the same in other countries? Yeah. I mean, if you look at the US, we, we're just uh, at the time recording back from Accountex Canada. And what fascinated me there is that I was walking from the hotel to the exhibition center because I had the honor of being the opening keynoter. And somebody was trying to find the exhibition center. And I said, go, go into Accountex. She said, yeah. I said, great. So am I. Walk with me. And as we walked, I learned that she was um, a solo practitioner with her own practice um, uh, out in the northern Canada. Um, and I said, why are you here? Why just not stay at home and not make all the efforts? And she said, and I quote, we really need a high quality networking event for accountants and bookkeepers in Canada. Um, so Accountex, which was very successful, has already been commissioned for 2023. Congratulations to you guys for that. Um, filled that need. And so that it shows that, you know, in the UK, yes, we're heavy on events. In the US, we're heavy on events. But whether the market knows about them and feels like they should go to them is a different conversation altogether. We know what Accountex's attendance has been like, and we know that other shows have struggled to get a footfall. So it really is about reaching the audience with your relationships. And just to finish that bit off, there's been a lot of private equity venture capital money in the fintechs, the software, just as there has been in accounting firms. What do you say about that? Bank accounts are very easy to empty. <laughs> and, and you can burn through an awful lot with activity without thinking about how activity relates to productivity. And if, and if all your marketing activity is profile raising and brand awareness and isn't lead gen, then where's your money coming from? And when's your money coming back? And if your money is going to take a while to come back that you're spending on your marketing, how are you funding the gap? So for me, I think that the lessons that uh, a lot of vendors have learned for accountants is that there is marketing activity, there is intelligent marketing activity, and then there's return on investment marketing activity. And I think we see more and more vendors realizing that it's that third pot that they need to be in. So let's wrap this up, Martin. We're coming out to the end of the year, but we're also coming to the end of the pandemic period, hopefully, from 2020. So we're at the end of a three-year cycle, perhaps, coming into a new year. What lessons do you feel we've learned about what succeeded and failed for the accounting world in the last few years? I think the, the one from the actual pandemic is growing closer to the clients. We then predicted after that, in around September 21, that those lessons would not be maintained um, and that we'd snap back into our old ways. And I don't have substantial enough evidence that I can point to to say either scenario has happened. But I do think that the recruitment and retention issues that have been prolonged now for several years impact an accountant's ability to serve their clients quite as proactively as they might want to. So maybe the, the pandemic should increase the desire to help clients and the ways in which that could be done were made clearer. But the reality of implementation still remains difficult because of human resource. Martin, we're looking ahead to 2023. What are going to be the main challenges for accountants and firms in the coming year, do you feel? I think same as, Rob, unfortunately, and namely same as refers to the holy trinity of accounting challenges, which are, is uncertainty, uncertainty over legislation, uncertainty over which tech to adopt and which tech to ignore and uncertainty over the labor market. Um, you can always throw in the evergreens into that, uh, pricing, marketing, proactive client winning, 
uh, portfolio mix, average fee raising, all those kinds of things, which are ever present challenges to accountancy firms. But I think the ones that are specific to now are those three. They're not new. They're also not going away. And they also haven't been solved. I guess with challenges comes opportunities as well. Where do you think firms will find their biggest opportunities in 2023? I think they'll find them in existing clients. And firms have got to be smart enough to understand that. There is a, a sort of a, an unspoken reticence within the mindset of the accountant in general that they don't want to rock the boat with existing clients because existing clients represent the bedrock of the income. So let's not talk to them about anything else just in case they get offended. And that scarcity mentality, I think, prevents both the accountant and the client from benefiting from what the accountant can do. So as a result, when we don't have conversations with our existing clients about further genuine assistance that can be provided that would be welcomed by the client, when we don't have the conversations about understanding the client's position to know which of those additional services is appropriate at this time, we of course leave money on the table from the profession's point of view and the client remains unsupported, unhelped and therefore they don't make the progress they should make either or worse, they go looking for somebody who can help them make that progress. So I think for firms who are smart, they will look at their grade A's and their grade B clients as we've called them for so many years. However, they turn to choose to uh, categorize those as A's and B's, whatever the criteria is for that. And then say, okay, here's our list. Now, hand on heart, in this list, who are the five clients that we could genuinely provide more support to than we currently are, and they'd welcome a conversation about it. And when we identify those, okay, what is the support that we're thinking of for these five clients? Get that. Okay, what's the value of that support if the client was to adopt it? Okay, there's 100 grand right there. There's quarter of a million right there, whatever the figure happens to be. And I think that's the lowest hanging fruit uh, for accounting firms in 2023. We know what separates the good accountants from the great ones. They listen to the Accounting Influencers podcast. So <laughs> they've got our insight show on a Tuesday where we look at a little bit of the news and help with their professional development. We have our influencer deep dive interview on a Wednesday, and that takes an expert in the industry and the profession and talks about what's really working. Our best practice show is popular on a Thursday where we look at uh, what the good accountants are doing. We have our UK show on a Friday and our deep dive panel discussions on the success in accounting on a Monday. So check out all of those shows. But in terms of the accounting firms, Martin, not the individuals, what's going to separate the good practices from the great ones in 2023? It's going to be service. It's going to be a sustained ability to maintain a level of service that the client has not been used to historically. Okay. From as simple a starting point as return phone calls quickly, you know, service level agreements, you know, callers will return within 24 hours, as that remains a major bane of, of client owners' lives, that they have an issue that requires a fast response. They can't get a fast response because there isn't capacity within the firm to give a fast response. Um, so I think a level of service, but also beyond that, a degree of fortune telling. So where you have clients, and by you, I mean the audience, the listenership here, where you have clients, perhaps where you produce the management accounts for them, perhaps where you know what's going on in the business, you will have seen their scenarios before in some other clients. You know, not every client you've got is completely unique and has no precedent to it. So you have seen scenarios happen before. You can predict futures by using past experience. You know that if client X carries on as they are, they are going to hit their target. Or if client X carries on as they are, they're going to be in their overdraft limit or beyond their overdraft limits at the bank. So you can correct the course or accelerate the course of your clients by being able to go beyond pure production of management accounts and actually look at those management accounts and say, wait a minute, look at what we've just produced here. We're about to give this to the client. 
Well, what we could do with doing is telling them about that there, because that's a red flag right there. You know, and you can easily point out opportunities that take, what, five minutes to, uh, to diagnose, five minutes to advise the client of, what, 10 minutes total, and create an opportunity for yourself to support that client and not have to go into disaster recovery mode because you let them uh, sink without your support. So I think the service levels on a sustained basis is the second part of that sentence I want you to focus on. Service levels you've heard before, sustained basis is not a message that's put out very regularly. That discipline to have your service levels be a constant and not just particularly good service when you've got some time and particularly crap when you haven't. Anyone can score one great goal, can't they? Or play one great shot, one great golf shot, but it's doing that consistently. And that's what turns service into a great client experience. That, that emotion that accompanies that service, which makes them think great things. I also want partners to actually think in terms of client experience, which again is not normal. You don't normally go to an accounting conference, speak to senior managers, sorry, senior partners or managing partners of firms and talk to them about their firm and have them bring up client experience at the top of their priority list. That's not generally in their lexicon of language. So I would like to have partners simply thinking in those terms and solo practitioners the same. Well, you and I both come across some complacent accountants and accounting firms, a slight arrogance in thinking that they don't have to change. So... What's going to happen to those firms that uh, won't or can't adapt to what's going on next year? Mark? At this point, Rob, this is where I'm supposed to put the fear message out. <laughs> to say, those who don't change are going to die. With it's a burning path. platform. You're all doomed. Absolutely. Uh, and unfortunately, the reality is they'll probably be fine. What will happen is that they will certainly incur more price sensitivity. That's for sure. They'll get bigger pushback on price um, when they don't make the, the adjustments. They'll get more moans to have to work with. They'll probably be less happy about what they do for a living because clients will moan more that when the firm's not geared up to handle their particular needs. But ultimately, you're still required by law to use an accountant. And so somebody's got to do your job for you. Somebody's got to do your compliance work for you. So even if that is at a bad price, and even if you've got a moaning client, the work will most likely still be there for you, just like it always has been. And in the UK, if we do see MTD come in, then of course you'll be rushed off your feet just keeping your clients compliant. We can probably add to the, that, though, Martin, that if you refuse to adapt and innovate, you're going to have less of a say in the grade A clients and the higher level, higher margin work because you'll be maybe reduced to a compliance only role, which is there's downward pressure on compliance. Fee. There is, but most firms are in that position anyway. Um, you know, firms that offer advisory as the standard part of their offering are not in the majority. So a compliance role is the norm. That's generally what you got started in the first place. So, so while there is downward pressure on fees, that gets reported to us all over the place at every conference we ever go to. And while there is this constant, I wish my clients were better sentiment from the audience at large, they don't generally make major changes to their business models to do anything about that. So the situation perpetuates. So I, I, I think they'll be fine. I think it'll be, I don't know if they'll enjoy it. I don't know if they'll be as profitable, but they certainly won't be extinct and they certainly won't uh, become dinosaurs or something. There, there will be an audience for them. That has always been an audience for them. And a final note on the, the fintechs, Martin, the software ecosystem that surrounds and serves the accounting profession. What are your predictions for what's coming up for them uh, when they're trying to get the attention of busy accountants in 2020? Well, if they're smart, they'll go where the audience is. We know where the audience is. We know which conferences, which exhibitions have got the uh, critical mass. So being there is, you know, a no-brainer. That's, that's sort of uh, marketing 101. But on top of that as well, I think they also understand that this is the year that expertise got replaced by influence. So historically in the accounting profession, 
our respect and our eyeballs went towards those that we regard as being the most experienced, the most knowledgeable, those who were the masters of their topic. And we are now seeing uh, clear evidence that people who are the most popular are the ones who are getting the eyeballs and the attention, regardless of what they know, regardless of what they've achieved, regardless of the track record. The fact that they're popular makes the follower go, I want to be in with the in crowd. Let's go to the popular place where the popular people are so I can be one of them. And so therefore, vendors will understand that to get the attention of the busy accountants, they need to align themselves with strong influencer relationships. Now, having a show called Accounting Influencers, you might cry foul there and go, that's a biased opinion. And you'd be right. It is a biased opinion because it's evidenced. And because it's evidenced, we know that the strong accounting relationships that vendors have with firms are brokered usually by a strong personality, whether it be an internal personality within that vendor or whether it be an external third party is an irrelevance. But that's how the relationships are built through people, through people who have the ear of the accountants. So influence beats expertise in 2023. Not something I'm particularly happy about, but something I have to admit to. Well, we saw that coming, Martin, didn't we, just to finish? And that's why we started the Accounting Influencers Roundtable or the Air Group, which is the largest database of accounting influencers, vendors, coaches, consultants, experts, and all kinds of people that sell to and through accountants to build strategic partnerships and commercial alliances. Yeah. And like, like we just said, it's a biased position that I've just taken there. Um, very open about that because it's backed up. Um, if, uh, if accountants uh, listen to vendors by some other method, you'd be sure that I, myself and Rob would have a business uh, dealing in that method. But it is influence. We are in an age in society where popularity, like I say, beats expertise, and therefore vendors align themselves, correctly so, with those who are influential, regardless of whether they are actually masters of their topic. It's about knowing and being known. Martin, that's been a brilliant wrap-up for 2023. Thanks so much for your time today. Improve your practice while decreasing how hard you work to make your firm really fly. Sponsored by Dext.